Hello and welcome to the Loose Forward Podcast, Centenary Edition. And I'm Andy. And I'm Bobby. And we're all about Rugby League. The M62 and beyond. Good evening. Good evening. We have a very special one-off edition for everybody tonight, don't we? We do indeed. And so, it is very special. It is. We, we've, we said, we've said on the pod previously that we've been uh, trying to get this on for a while. And uh, we have managed to acquire uh, an exclusive interview with uh, one of the most prominent former Super League referees in Rugby League history, Sil- Richard Silverwood. Yes, Andy, as you said, we have secured this interview with Richard Silverwood, a man who has refed almost 550 games in his career, including three Challenge Cup finals, three Super League Grand Finals, three World Club Challenges and one Rugby League World Cup Final as well as a host of other internationals. And I am absolutely delighted to welcome Richard to the Loose Forward pod. Hello, Richard. Hi. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for coming on. It's not a bad build-up, that, is it, to be honest? That's not a bad, <laughs> it's not a bad CV, that, mate, is it, to be honest? It's not a bad CV, yeah. It it's something it? I'm very proud of, to be a- honest. Absolutely, I would be as well. Um, I just We, we want to do, if we can, first of all, we want to do a little bit of um, a This Is Your Life, I suppose. In fact, before we do that, Richard, where do we find you tonight? Are you sunning yourself in the garden tonight? <laughs> I'm actually in my lounge. <laughs> <laughs> is it really is it, grand day though? Is it, day. Is, it, is it is it sunny in Murfield? It's, it's, does, oh, it, does the sun come over in Yorkshire? Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. We've, we've had a, a second day actually. It's been uh, quite warm today. Brilliant. Right. Well, I want to take you, if I can. I want to take you back to your childhood, and I want to take you back to where the, your interest in rugby league and. Other sports, I suppose. You know, um, you know, it, it was sport a big part of the Silverwood household, and that. You know, how did you get into rugby league and, and sports in the first place? Yeah, so um, sport has been quite a, a big part of our family, uh, family life. Um, rugby, not so much. My uncle, who got me into rugby, he was um, well, yeah. He's, Professional footballer um, didn't really make the, the, the top grades, but uh, he was on Leeds United's books as a junior, uh, and then he went to Huddersfield uh, to Town, and um, yeah, sadly didn't make it. But uh, yeah, he was very much the reason why I got into rugby. Uh, my dad was uh, a racing car driver, all right. So that, yeah, he, um, British champion at karting. Uh, was on the on the sports car circuit, so Brands at Silverstone uh, is raced at. So, yeah, um, something I'm pretty proud of. That uh, it was my uncle really that got me into rugby. He was a, a member of the uh, Loiners Club Leeds back then. Um, he used to take me along when I was twelve, thirteen, and and that's why I become hooked on rugby really. Okay, interesting. I think that actually, I think we're going to bring us to our first listener question. That isn't it? Uh, yes, it is, uh, and that one is from uh, Statman Reese. And Reese wanted to know: 
Do you watch any other sport closely? Uh, and if so, what element of, of another game would you like to see brought into the world of rugby league? Uh, big League United fan. Yeah, we've so, seen, we've yeah, seen your Twitter. We've seen it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty, pretty, uh, pretty obsessed with Leeds. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's something I'm, I've got a big interest in. Uh, what we can bring into the league, I, I think obviously next year with the um, the video ref being in every game is going to be a massive help for the officials, which I'm sure we'll talk about more yeah, we will. In, the, yeah. in the podcast. But uh, yeah, I think that's going to be a massive for, for the match officials, really. Okay, brilliant. Um, I, I'd like to see, you know, when we, we do have uh, the video every game, I'd like to see the captain's challenge come in next year as well. Uh, any, anything that can help get get the right decisions um, you know I'm, I'm all for that yeah yeah um, why so for you then why refereeing what what started it all what what started this um, you know the, uh, the the career with the whistle yeah so the, the, I was going going to watch the Leeds games got got milked on rugby uh, from there I joined Dewsbury Moor uh, which is probably the closest amateur team to me so I joined Jules Remore. I was playing in the under-13s. Um, I was pretty fast back then, but one of the smallest in the team. So they stuck me on the wing. Um, didn't like the uh, the tackling side. Obviously, being one of the smallest, uh, I was getting trampled on each week, but scoring quite a lot of tries. So I wasn't really overly enjoying it because of the, obviously the, the defensive side, but um, you know, certainly like like the, the try scoring. And it was just a, a chance uh, meeting, really, that someone came to our training session from the Jews and Battle Society to say that uh, they're running a, a match officials course. And um, Roy Powell, who was Leeds and, and great Britain player back then, he uh, he was going to be coming along and, and doing a talk. So I think that's what, what grabbed me, uh, my attention and took me to the meeting. Yeah, you know, if somebody had said before, then oh, do you fancy being a match official? Then to be no, but I think it was just because Roy was going to be there, and I went along. Uh, and from there, it, the rest is history. I, I signed up, and someone said, do you, do you fancy doing a few games? Uh, obviously, the, the pocket money back then uh, was was helpful. Um, I'd do games on Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, sometimes Sunday morning, and you, you know, you used to be coming out with. 30, 40 pounds a week at, at 13 year old, which is pretty handy. So, um, from, from there, uh, I kind of just stopped the, stopped the playing side when I was about 15 and, uh, and just stuck to the whistle. Yeah. Well, it was better than working in Greg's on a Saturday for 15 quid or something, wasn't it? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, Probably get less abuse in Greg. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Um, you, but then you ended up then with I mean your first pro game I, I was re, I was reading this this week your first pro game was at York in 1999 um in York versus Batley do you still remember it? yeah or was it, it it's not is quite it, right that actually. Oh, is it yeah, not? I did um, no 1998 was my first pro game okay. I got a couple of trial couple of trial games uh, Bramley Doncaster was my first and then I did Oldham Workington not long after that, right. um, and then yeah, I, I got officially promoted in in '99, and that's when that came about. Uh, and York Battley was the first one. Do you still remember that? 
Vaguely, yeah. I, I think it finished 20 all. Um, do, do you know what? I was just going to test you on that as well. I was going to say, what was the score? <laughs> You're right, it was 20 all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I just remember there's quite a lot of uh, players back then at, at um, well, back end of the career that just wanted to take me on. Just saw me as a, a 20, 22-year-old uh, young, young official and just wanted to, to take me on, really. So, that yeah, I can... That's all I remember from that game. Yeah, it was good schooling, I suppose, though, wasn't it? At that, you know, for that. But um, yeah. But then, yeah. and then, you know, and then, but then you became Super League's youngest referee, didn't you? Uh, Two thousand and one. Um, and yeah, twenty. I think twenty-four. Twenty-four, I think. Yeah, and you know, the first one there, Halifax and Salford. Um, yeah. And then, how how quickly did you settle into to life in Super League? Do you think? I'll probably say that it took me uh, it, it took me three or four years really to to, to become comfortable. Um, I, I, the best way to describe it is when it, as you move up the grades, when like when I was doing the the amateur stuff, uh, when I was doing Yorkshire League, uh, and then move up to national conference, you just you just everything comes to you a lot quicker. Uh, the pace of the game. Um, and obviously, you've got to make decisions a lot, a lot quicker off the back of that. So every grade that you move up, when you go from NCL, then to academy, then to a, it was called a Lions then reserve team rugby, and then to the first team, it's just the pace of the game is a lot quicker, and, and everything comes at you a lot quicker. Um, that, that's the biggest difference I, I saw. So it, when I moved up to Super League, it, it did take me probably three or four years to, to actually become comfortable and. And, you know, thinking that I was holding me on. It's really interesting, that I think, because I'd never really thought of that before you've just said that. And I think it's not something that fans would appreciate that really, is it? You know, I mean, especially when you look at some of the some of the stick that the, the newer referees are getting now that probably haven't been yeah. in Super League for three or four years. And it's really interesting, I think, that you should say that because there isn't that, there isn't that patience, is there, from, you know, mm-hmm. from the terraces... Off, off from the media or whatever, really nowadays, is there? Yeah, no. I mean, I, I've probably seen it on my, on my uh, Twitter. It's I, I was a big, a big fan of the the two ref system, uh, and I was uh, a big fan of that due to uh, that would have been a good way to introduce young young officials. You know, yeah. you could have had a senior guy uh, or senior match official uh, with the whistle, and then a younger match official uh, behind the rook yeah. obviously just feeding information to to the senior match official I think that would have been a good way to to introduce these, these young officials to yeah. to the programme um, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, probably under less scrutiny as well as you said like you know they're working with a more senior referee yeah yeah That's... you know when you're out there on your own you, you can't you can't come off after 10 minutes and and have a break. It's sink or swim. So, yeah. you know, I think quite often these these young officials coming into the Super League, and uh, I do I do feel for them because it's, mm. it is a pressurised situation, and it is sink or swim. Yeah, yeah. We're going to come on to a little bit more about that in a bit, but but um, but for you personally, I mean, your first Challenge Cup final then was two thousand and six. Unfortunately, it wasn't at Wembley, was it? It wasn't no. I think I missed out by a, a month. Um, it just wasn't ready. So, yeah, the first the first one was at uh, at Twickenham. 
Yeah, I, and they, they did have. It was a bit of a bizarre situation because uh, when we went down on the Friday to do the uh, the tour of the stadium, I think we'd had a, a concert the week before, so it was quite a lot of the the, uh, the pitch that had been taken up, and there was relaying um, new turf about up to the about I'd say fifteen meters, maybe twenty meters from the try line. Yeah, um, there was no, there was no turf down. So on the Friday, I was relaying the, the new turf, and there was all these situations going through my head. In what if, what if the score of trying the turf moves? Or yeah, um, thankfully nothing like that happened. But uh, man, yeah. you, man, you've refereed at Odsall, haven't you? So it's only the same thing. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. But um, I was at that game actually, that, that 2006 one. The only thing I remember about that is that at Twickenham they had massive in goal areas. Um, and I think, yeah. in fact, I don't think it was that one. There was another one that were absolutely poured down. But I remember the uh, I remember the massive in goal areas at Twickenham. Mm. But um, but you did then you, you got the you got the Wembley appearances. And ironically enough, it would be it was with the the same teams, wasn't it? Both times with Warrington and Leeds. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, just going back to two thousand and six, I'd um, I'd had a really good year that that year. I think. Uh, got the, the Challenge Cup final. I was really disappointed to miss out on the uh, on the grand final, having been named uh, referee of the year at the awards night. So, you know, the usual case was whoever got the, the referee of the year was was awarded the uh, the grand final. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that that was a that was a disappointment to to mm. lose out on that. Um, but that was the year then that. Um, that so we went from part time to, to being full time in 2006, and right. I do often think that um, Carl got the got the the grand final because he wasn't going to take a full time role. So I think it was just a, that, that was Carl like, Kirkpatrick. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, interesting. And then, but uh, we if we move on to like that that 2010 you you, you got to Wembley again then um, 2010 2012 that the, the same teams and yeah. it was really i suppose in that time was what i would call um 2010 11 12 13 round about that time was an for yourself personally was an absolute golden period for you wasn't it really at that time it was yeah. Everything seems to, to to click into place. I think I think the the biggest uh, factor in all that was was getting the 2009 ANZAC test. I think from 2006 to uh, to 2009, I was just kind of really getting to grips with with what full time uh, match officiating uh, looked like, and um, probably struggled the first. Couple of years, and then um, obviously getting the getting the ANZAC test in, in 2009 came out of the blue, really, mm. um, and that just gave me a massive confidence boost. And obviously going down there and doing the game and getting good feedback, um, yeah, it just uh, everything just seemed to click into place, and, and the confidence levels and and everything I took from from being on that game um, just. Set me, set me forward for the, for the next three, three, four years, really. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, Richard, was there ever a, an offer to go back to Australia full time? You know, uh, down in the NRL or anything like that no, from like, yeah. like Russell Smith. Yeah. Example, yeah. Yeah. No, nothing. Uh, I, I don't think it's ever been ever happened. Really, I think um, you, you've got to approach them and, and tell them that you you're interested in going down. I don't think anybody's been 
been approached uh, and offered a deal. Mm. Okay. Would it would it something that would have ever interested you? Do you think? Probably not. I'm, I'm a bit of a, 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 you know too close to my family, and I, I don't think I'd have had a left them really. So yeah. Yeah, probably not. And you won't, but you wouldn't have been able to watch Leeds United, would you? So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah, but um, then but you did a few more Anzac tests after that. It was you did a few of them and Four Nations and things like that, and leading up to the World Cup final. And did you find did you find sort of different pressures if you like doing international games than you did at, did domestic games? And not not really. I'd, kind of um, kind of easier to to, to officiate really because the, the the standard of the players playing is is that high. Mm. They just refereed themselves, basically. I think one of the games, Anzac Test, I think it was the second one I'd done uh, in 2010. It was like 2-2 penalty count. Right. Um, and it was just, yeah, it just the game flowed. And again, I, I got really good praise from, from that game. So, um, yeah, I just I just found them a lot easier to referee. Yeah, yeah. What are your What are your standout memories in that in that period of those, those grand finals and... Uh, you know the Challenge Cup finals, and all that World Cup final, and things like that. What What are your standout memories around that time? Um, just yeah, just a, a pleasure to be to be involved with them. Um, it was kind of I was that focused and and driven to to get to get them year after year. Um, you know, the years that I didn't, uh, it hit me quite hard, and probably the lowest point of of my career when. Uh, 2011, I think it was when I didn't get the, the grand final mm. uh, due to a suspension. Um, yeah, that, that that was probably one of the lowest lowest points. Mm. I, I suppose. I mean, I, I suppose that's my next question as well. I suppose in that you, you've done all this. You've had this golden period. This 2013, you, you've done the World Cup final. You know, from a a personal point where where's the drive after that where is it where is it to go after that how how do you feel at that point is it a matter of wanting to keep going do you lose a little bit of enthusiasm do, do you know what do you know what i mean it's a, you know is it is it well, tough yeah, to I was, keep going yeah, I, I, was, yeah I, I was the opposite so when you've you've had a taste of a final um challenge cup grand finals world cup you want that same feeling again, or oh, I, I certainly mm. did. Um, I kind of got did, you know the the week to week rugby super league was kind of a little, little bit boring uh, unless you was doing the, the bigger games. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's what I strive for, you know, um, and that's that's what what drove me year after year because I just wanted that same feeling that um, to be involved in them in them big games. Yeah, yeah, no, and then and then and then it came. And then it came to an end, 2016. I think I'm right. You took the retirement. You were you were under suspension at that time, and you, and you took <laughs> retirement in there. What are your thoughts around that time? Then it's like, did, did it come too early for you? Did, how, how did you feel at that time when you, um, you know, when you when you left the RFL at that time? Yeah, I certainly wasn't ready to, to retire then. Um, looking back, did I have long, much longer to to go? Um, probably not. Probably got. Uh, probably another two years, maybe maybe a little bit longer. Um, I'd achieved everything I'd want to, wanted to achieve. So, uh, yeah, at the time I wasn't ready, but looking back, I've kind of no regrets. Um, yeah, just disappointed, obviously, how it, how it all ended. 
Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby, you've got some listener questions for us. Uh, yes. Uh, the first one um, is... How did it end? Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna press you on that because I think, like, I think people have, I think people have asked you that. If you want to expand on it, Richard, please do. Well, yeah, I don't mind, I don't mind going into detail. Yeah, um, go on, please do. I've, yeah. Well, I've always, uh, I'll tell you through all the, all these suspensions and yeah, things and form your form your own opinion. The first one was um, when when we first got uh, taken on as full time match officials, um, we kind of got sold a, a few lies or a few not not so much the, the truth um, to, to get us to join really um, I was on I was working full time and I think £30,000 I was a sales manager in construction and then we was getting we was getting £10,000 as part time fees so combined £40,000 when we got made full time the offer was 30000 so obviously a ten ten thousand pound reduction. But we got told at that point I had a company car as well. So we got told at that point that it was gonna be a company car. Um please take it for now and you know, within twelve months you're gonna get a big pay rise. Mm. Um if you don't take it, you know where your career's going basically. Right. Yeah. So we were forced into into taking full time. Obviously two years in, nothing had changed with no no company car. Um the salary was still the same, and then we um, we joined ranks with uh, football officials, cricket, um, and we used to meet up once every three months to share experiences, best practices, etc. And and it was at these meetings where we got talking to the the football officials, telling them obviously our story about the salaries and things like that. And and it was then that um, I said, "Why don't you join a, a union? Why don't you?" The union called Prospect Union. They they sorted all our contracts out. Um, it might be worth getting on board with them and uh, and they can approach the RFL for you. Yeah. So we did. Um, didn't go down well at all. There was obviously just the, the six full time officials that joined. Their stance was that yeah, you, you can be in a union, but um, we, we don't have to listen to the union. Um, Unless all all officials or a certain percentage of all match officials join this union, then we don't have to listen to them. Um, so at that point, I emailed the the union uh, the contact list for for all the officials, so they could write to to every official and, and see if they wanted to join. Yeah, they took that as uh, a breach of data protection. So that was my first suspension. Um, so yeah, I was I was suspended for I think six weeks and um, got a final written warning from that. Uh, I think that was just uh, just to try and threaten all the others to, to back down, really. Uh, yeah. And, and it, it did work to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, so we did we actually meet with the RFL then, and we did get a better pay rise uh, from that. So some some good did come from it, but. Mm. Yeah, that was that was the first one. Mm. Sounds like you made the you made the scapegoat on that a little bit on that for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, the second one, probably one of the lowest points of, of my career. I, I was 2011, absolutely flying, uh, really good season. Don't think there was the, the distance between fir- the person running first and second was was quite a distance. So I thought absolutely shooing to to get the grand final. Yeah. 
first week of the uh, sorry the, the last game of the regular season I'd refereed on the Friday or Saturday I think it was okay. uh, so I decided to to go along and watch the Uddersfield Leeds game on the Sunday um, I'd taken about seven or eight friends with me got some tickets from the, the match officials that was on the game was in the bar uh, post-match having a few beers um, came down at half-time it was at this point I'd just gone to the toilet came back and then there was a security guard comes along and says right you're going to have you're going to have to leave shut the bar right, right everybody's what's, what's going on but there's been a comment made to, to one of the waitresses why well it's not it's not behind me so uh, I said it was somebody in our group um, to this day I still don't think it was we described what they was wearing and the description of this person it, it didn't fit anybody in our group um, but again that that was another suspension um, they said that because I'd taken them to the game and on my tickets and I should be responsible <laughs> yeah. so again that that was about six weeks suspension which meant I didn't I didn't do any playoff games and missed the grand final because of that which to this day, I think I think it was extremely harsh, um, given that it wasn't it wasn't me or I still don't think it was any of our group. Yeah, definitely. That was the uh, the second one, um, and then the, the the final one, which wasn't the greatest hour, I'll admit. But um, we've done the magic weekend. I've just done Hull versus OKR. Yeah. Um, game had gone extremely well. So we'd all gone into Newcastle that evening. Um, we're going up on the Friday, so you're, you're in a hotel uh, out in the sticks in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Nothing to do. Uh, stuck in the hotel room. On the Saturday, um, you might have a, a video a, a video game to do. So you, you, obviously just, you can either come down and, and watch all the other games or you can just come down and, and do the video video game um, which I did and then on the Sunday as I said I've done the OPR versus all game and I'm going into to Newcastle on the evening um, we've been into a few bars I've, I've been having a, quite a few drinks by which time at the end I uh, went to a, a nightclub and uh, by this time I, I was drunk um, got onto the dance floor and there was Quite a lot of staff from the from the RFL in, in the nightclub. Right. Um, gone onto the dance floor, danced up behind this female that works for the RFL. She turned around, I did a a rude gesture, um, didn't touch the female, did a rude gesture, and the next thing this guy pushes me in the chest. Right. And says, You can't do that, that's my uh, mate's girlfriend. He works at the RFL. We squared up, uh, didn't throw any punches, just had a few words, and then that was it. That's that's all I did, um, and that that led well. Went back to the hotel, explained what what happened. Uh, drove home on the Monday, on the Tuesday, got a call from Ralph Rimmer to say I need you to come see me. And that was the the third and final suspension, and that's that's what ultimately I got um, I got finished for. Wow, wow. Did, did you get a feeling that at this time that like your name was on the list, so to speak? Do you think they were looking for excuses? Well, 
still to this day think, you know, is that is that really worth losing somebody of my experience just mm. over that? Um, which, yeah, kind of uh, agree with what you're saying. I think there's, there's more to it than, than just that. I think. Personally, I've, I've got my own views. I think maybe the the current match official director uh, wanted me out of the way because maybe he saw me as a threat. That's that's just a feeling I've got. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Just, yeah. just seems a, a, a waste to lose all my, my experience. That's probably the, the uh, biggest regret, really, that I've passed that on and, and coach the, the current um, crop of officials. Yeah, and I was going to move on to that. I mean, thank you for that. I mean, that's absolutely fascinating, the, the, the mm. account there. And I really thank you for being like just so candid about it. Um, and I was going to move on to the, the the coaching, I suppose the department as it is, or as it was, the, the coaching for elite refs then versus now from what your understanding might be. Um, did you feel that you, that you used to, the support that you needed, you know, what what was the what was the process like in getting that coaching from from when you were a younger referee and then a more experienced referee? Yeah, I would say it's, it was mixed. Uh, when I was full time, uh, obviously we had um, Stuart Cummins as as head of referees. Uh, we had Tony Brown um, as as one of the coaches. Um, we had Ray Tennant and um, and Dave Campbell. Yeah. So the, yeah, they, they was, it was pretty good. Um, you do do your game on a weekend, and then you, you'd have to uh, do a full re- review yourself, and then you'd meet up um, with your coach. You'd get allocated a coach, and you'd do a, a sit down review with them on a, a Monday after your training, and then on a Tuesday after your training, you'd, you'd then meet as a group. Um, and you'd have various clips pulled out from from each each game from the weekend, and then uh, we'd come to a, a common agreement where we'd uh, where we're going to move forward. Yeah. Okay. Bobby, I think you've got a Please. listener question on that as well, haven't you? Uh, yes, we have. Um, this one comes from uh, Phil Rogers, and uh, Phil would like to know, Richard, how closely do the refs work with the teams during the season or even pre-season? I can only comment on uh, on on my time. Mm. It, it was something that that was uh, given to the the clubs as a as an option. Not not all took that option on. Um, probably said I did within the ten years as a as a full time referee. I've probably done three three club visits in in the pre season, mm. which isn't which isn't a lot. It's um, not, is it? No, no. I think. I think you probably get about three clubs that would take you take you up on the offer each each season. And and yet, when you listen to coaches and, and things after the game, they seem to be crying out for that sort of. Uh, well, certainly crying out for what they what they term as consistency. But you would think they would take any help in understanding that, wouldn't you? At any point. Yeah, and uh, one of the biggest uh, difficulties I probably say that Stuart. Cummings had during his time was um, the, the goalposts kind of seemed to move week to week. You know, you'd have. I think if you sat down with each and every coach at the start of the season and and come to an agreement how how a game should look, that that had often changed during the season when when pressure starts to hit. 
Um, yeah. And you'd have coaches ringing up Stuart saying, "We need to be, we need to be looking more at, at, at Marcus, for example." Yeah. Um, and you'd have another coach coming on moaning about Marcus. So, yeah. and Stuart was. I didn't always agree with what, what Stuart did on on such matters, but it, it kind of like have a focus of the week, which I didn't always agree with. You know, you come in and say, right, I, I want you to start looking at yeah. markers more closely. Yeah. Um, I want you to start looking at this more closely. I think it kind of kind of moved a little as the, uh, mm-hmm. as the season went on. Um, that, that's the dif- difficulties you've got, really. Yeah, I think I think sometimes I think that I think that's quite obvious from the stands. I think sometimes as well because. You can see sometimes there's a focus on um, yeah, players, yeah, yeah, players not playing the ball properly. That's this week's focus, if you like. Mm. Yeah, like yeah. you said, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, Bobby, you've got another one, haven't you, on this on a similar theme? Uh, yes, uh, this one comes from um, Revolutionary Rugby League, and uh, he has asked uh, in the light of recent events, how would you? maybe suggest the RFL can support its officials better or, you know, can they, can they support them more? Um, obviously not just at your level, but you know, in, in amateur and junior levels too. Um, I'm not quite sure what they do uh, currently at, at, at amateur level. I know obviously you've got touch, touch line managers and, and things like that, but um, I, I don't know that... There seems to be um, the the abuse, at, certainly at grassroots level, is, is getting worse. Um, I, I don't think they've got enough personnel to to have someone there at, at every game, but maybe more more of a presence um, doing doing the rounds, visiting clubs. I don't know if they do that that currently, but um, yeah, certainly certainly from from the professional game, um, I think. More needs to be done at, at um, the, the abuse that the coaches seem to, to be, you know, aiming at referees, and I think there needs to be more of a, a stance taken taken on that. Yeah, and uh, just on you said about you mentioned uh, when you were talking about the, your retirement, Richard. You were talking about the video review. Um, Mark yeah. Hutchinson wanting to know about do referees follow a disciplinary process for errors, but I suppose that's more about. I suppose what's the what's the post match, uh, what's the post match process if you like after after the after the hooter and then the following couple of days I suppose. Yeah, so I've, as I've explained, you, you do you do your your review on your own uh, over the weekend, and then you, you'd, you'd meet with your coach on a Monday, go through the points. Um, you'd have further reviews on on a Tuesday with, as a group. And then uh, there's no disciplinary as such, you know. It's just it's reflected in your appointments for the for the following week. Um, but the the issue we've, we've got is that if you take an experience or, or you know low experience official out of Super League, who do you replace them with? Yeah. You know, you you've yeah. probably got the same situation where if you if you put a, an inexperienced match official in the middle. Yeah, it's sink or swim time again. So it's a difficult one. Um, but yeah, there's no, there's no disciplinary process for for making errors. It just um, it just gets reflected in, in your appointment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I want to move on if we can to the the game itself because I don't think there's another sport in the world that constantly changes rules every season. And 
how does that hinder referees? Because I think, I, I can't remember the exact figures, but I read over the last 20 years, we'd have something like, I don't know, 200 new rules or something ridiculous. But there's always three or four changes, isn't there, every year to, to, to the way that things are done? Yeah, especially now. You know, I certainly don't like the look of the game now. Um, but that, but that's rugby. It's the same for for rugby union. You know, they're having the same issues, probably even worse than ours. Um, yeah, I was speaking to one of the March twins yesterday, and he, he just said he just just can't watch the game uh, at the minute. It's just awful to watch. Um, and the officials must feel that as well. You know, they they want the game to flow and. I, guess, I just can't see that they'd, they'd agree with some of the things that's, that they're doing at the minute, and it must be difficult. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's right. Can I talk to you specifically about the, one of the, the biggest changes over the last couple of years has been the six again rule, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Can I get you? Can I get your thoughts on that? And if you would make any changes to it, which is which is again one of our listener questions as well. I think the biggest issue with it is, um, and it needs to fall into line with the with the NRL, is when you've got a kick down field, and, and I've seen it many times this year. Um, a team will kick down field, and they'll get they'll get a team pinned in the corner, and and they know that they might as well just give a, a six ten away in in the corner, because you know your defensive line can get set. Uh, there was one in particular, I think it was Leeds Catalan, where Catalan kicked into the corner. Uh, the Leeds fullback uh, dived on the ball. They were trapped in the corner. Catalan gave a six again away. Their line was set. Then the line flew off the line at the play of the ball. Um, big hit the the Leeds player. He spilled the ball. Uh, Catalan got the ball and dived over for a try. Yeah. So that's you know that that just sums up the six again. It's it's an awful rule. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, it just needs to fall into line with the NRL. Anything. Uh, Inside the twenty-five or inside the thirty, is a penalty. Yeah, um, it, yeah, it just needs to fall into line with the NRL for me. Yeah, definitely, it definitely. It, it doesn't. Do you think there will be changes? Do you know, in your experience, if you've got something like that that's, that's obviously causing a problem, what's the process in that in that sense now for getting that rule amended or or, or changed? Do they, do they seek the the opinions of the of the, uh, of the elite referees for that. Yeah, well, I think they had um, they had a, a, a laws committee uh, during my time. I, think I still think they've got got that now. Where um, the sort of head of referees, um, maybe Robert Hicks will be involved. Uh, I think Paul Schoolthorpe was involved. Um, Paul Dixon. Some uh, I think there was about seven or eight people on on the committee, uh, and they'd meet every. Of the year and come up with the policies and and, and laws for the, the coming season. I'm sure that'll be on the agenda. Yeah. Okay. And then the other thing that I suppose causes a lot of uh, discussion is is video refs nowadays, isn't it? And um, I mean, we've got a question there from uh, Lee the Dave and Josh Lister. They said, "Should every Super League try for next season go upstairs, uh, like the bunker in the NRL or like touchdowns do in the NFL?" Yeah, I feel like how they've got it, they've got the uh, the system in the NRL, and I, um, I still like to give the the match officials should make make a decision. Uh, I wouldn't like to see the uh, every try sent up, but I think 
once you've made that decision, I think there's a, a time frame in the in the NRL where the the video ref will, will have a look, and I think after I might be wrong here, but after 20 seconds, if there's nothing that we can see wrong with the side, then um, time time's called off, and, and from that point, you've got obviously there's no change to the uh, the try that's been given. I, I yeah uh, I, I, yeah sorry go on. I'd like to see that coming. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, we had the we had the issue, didn't we, in the Challenge Cup final uh, with the, the try at the end, the whole KR equalising try, which must have I, took... I missed a, that. was an order, so oh, I'm right. not, I'm not it, it must have took a good four or five minutes to make mm. the decision. And, um, you know, the, the video reference, you know, it's the Challenge Cup final, I'll, t- I'll take as long as I want, you know, that, that sort of thing. Right. But, yeah. Uh, but, uh, Bobby, you've got something there, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask a, a quick question myself, uh, Richard. I just wanted to know, how do you feel about... You know the the as we call it the on field call. You know before you go up to the video ref. You know you as a referee have to have to signal a try or a no try. Do you yeah. think that system works, or do you think it should be more of a like a rugby union aspect where they sort of say, "Is there any reason why I can't give this try?" Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, not really a fan of the the on field call. Yeah. Because still in the ones in the corner where the the, the flag goes down and uh, there's bodies around, you're just making a making a guess. Mm. Um, you know, there's no way there's certain tries that you can see uh, whether it is or it isn't. So it's a best guess. So for me, you just yeah, you just send it up and uh, and let let the video ref decide. You would have um, you would have refereed with the old benefit of, try benefit of the doubt, wouldn't you, Richard? I did, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that, that wasn't great either. <laughs> think it's a try, and then you get all the stick for it, then, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, do you, who were the who were the standout referees? Do you think in, in your time, and, and who compares with them today? Um, I think Ashley Klein was an outstanding. Uh, referee whilst he was was in England and he's gone on to, to prove that in, in the NRL and yeah. I would say you know it's by far the the best referee in the in the world uh, currently. Um Phil Benton, another one I had a, a lot of respect for. He, he was uh, it was mainly me me and Phil putting for the big games around yeah. the the golden era for me as you mentioned uh, yeah it was me and Phil um, I'd probably say them too during during my career. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the ones obviously now I look to is, is like I say, Ashley Klein is, is street head of everybody else for me. Yeah, yeah. There was, um, I know you 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 put a, a point on it, and it, it's uh, I saw on Twitter the other week where you were, I think it was Jack Smith, wasn't it, that went for a uh, went to the video ref, and you said that he's obviously lacking confidence if he needs to go. For there, how how is that worked on with uh, with referees? It's hard to comment during the week because obviously I've, I've not well I've not spoke to anybody mm. since uh, the day I left really, so I, I don't know what what systems have got in place. Um, I know I think Dave Dave Elliott's the lead at the minute, while Steve Johnson's off. Um, I think they've got. Uh, an ex-referee in there, Julian King, who didn't really make it as a as a referee. Um, not not sure who else they've got in there, but I just wonder what 
what the culture's like during the week, what they're being told. Because, um, like I say, that that's, that for me is just bread and butter. He should be should be making them calls. I just wonder where where is that mentally, uh, what the culture's like during the week. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, I um. It's funny you, you mentioned Ashley Klein. I, I I went to the World Cup in two thousand and eight in Australia, and he refereed the final there. Um, and I was yeah. there quite early in the ground, and he was he was there, and I spoke to him, and I just said to him, you know, you, you're nervous, you, feel, you know, you feel like, and he said to me, he went, no, nope, not at all. He went, in fact, he said, Super League Grand Finals a bigger game than this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that that going back to the point where uh, what what changed for me to to be so so, so successful. 2010 to, to 13, um, and it, it, it's just that it's confidence. Once you've experienced the the the, the, the best of the you know the, the games, being been involved in the Anzac Test, yeah, and you've got that confidence. Everything else is just just a breeze, really. Yeah. So you, you know you go out in a normal Super League game, it's it's like it's, there's no nerves whatsoever. You just feel so confident because you you've experienced the, the best of the best. Okay. Um, when you've been on on grand finals and, and challenge cup finals, everything else is just secondary. You know, you, yeah. it's just you go out with so much confidence. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you mentioned, um, Bobby. You've got a question there about because Richard mentioned about captain's challenge before, didn't he? Uh, yes, uh, we we picked up on that at the start, and uh, we do have a um, a question from uh, Wrench, and he would like to know uh, what do you think of the ideas like captain's challenge to come in uh next year when when all the games have a video ref uh do you think that will reduce referee scrutiny uh, yeah well, i like the idea i think um I, I was asked this before before it got announced that there was going to be the full title uh, the um video on every game so obviously we can't have captain's challenge without now video on every game so now we've got that next year um, certainly I, I think it should it should come in anything where we can get the, the outcome right um, I'm all for it yeah brilliant brilliant well I've just got a couple of really quickie ones just to finish off Richard before we let you go so um, I'm going to give you in your career tomorrow we can go back in time and you're going to have, <laughs> you're going to have one match to relive in your career what would it? What would it be? Probably the uh, the, the first Anzac test that I did, and the feelings I had leading up to that, and, and during and, and afterwards. Um, you know that that was I've said it many times already. That was the game that changed everything for me. Yeah. You know the, the feeling of never been to Australia before, um, travelling down, thinking, "Why me? I don't deserve to be on the same." Pictures of these superstars. Yeah. Um, to be out on the field, packed house at um, at the Suncorp. Uh, to be within mm. distance of the um, of the Acker. Uh, you know, my heart was pounding out of my chest. But as soon as the, you know the game started and I was into the floor, everything was quickly forgotten about. But uh, yeah, that that game was just awesome to be involved with. Yeah, brilliant. I'll tell you what, though, for anyone who's never been to the Suncourt, what a stadium that is as well, isn't it? Unbelievable, yeah. So, yeah, probably one of the best I've, uh, I've been to. Yeah. Um, a couple of fun ones, just to, just to just to lastly finish with. Right. Now, I've there's a guy that I go to the match with, right, and he, he's 
he's put this rumour around to me. He said this is a true story. Do you remember when you used to have the screens and it used to come up and it was like, I think it was Engage at the time, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Right, is it? You know what I'm going to ask now, don't you? <laughs> is it true that you used to send tries up to the screen because every time it saw engage, you got paid for it? <laughs> no, that that was just a rumor. Uh, I started in a in a pub one day. Um, this guy was giving me giving me loads of grief. Why you always go to the screen? Why just why? I've got an holiday coming up, and uh, and we got fifty pound every time we go to. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was a, yeah, that was a, a rumour I started. <laughs> I tell you what, you you would have been able to retire a lot sooner if you'd have got fifty quid for every time that come on screen, wouldn't you? Brilliant. Yeah. And then yeah. and then I've I, I just got two more. Number like the last the last fun one for you is this. Um, which was the worst invention in rugby league? Phil Clark's margin meter or ref cam? <laughs> ref cam. <laughs> talk, talk, oh. to me, talk to me about ref cam. <laughs> well, this idea came in. Uh, Stuart Cummins it, we called us into a meeting uh, and he said, right, this is this is going to come in. And I thought it was like a, an April Fool. I thought, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're going to have to wear this, uh, this camera on your head. Right, I'm not not comfortable with this anyway it's happened it's happening because we've, we've agreed it with Sky so it's, it's happening so if you, if you don't want to do it then I'll take you off, uh, off the, I think it was a magic weekend actually when it first came in really um, if you don't want to do it then I'll take you off the game no. but, you know, that was his, his typical uh, response yeah. so we did it and it's just like so much extra weight that you're carrying around yeah um, you've got this Tight band across your head, which which isn't the best. You know, it was really uncomfortable. Yeah. Give you a headache coming off the pitch. Um, and there was often arguments that I, I'd bring Neville Smith from Sky, just saying, "Look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with this." And um, they tried all sorts of lightweight systems, and uh, yeah, I was not not a fan at all. <laughs> there's there's two things that I think about ref cam there. One is that even watching on the television, it used to give you a headache because you can't keep your head still while you're looking at some decision. And then they used to show the ref's camera and it'd just be going up and down. Yeah, it's pathetic. There's only shows about two or three clips a game. Thank you. You know, but for all that, why why are we carrying this extra weight and exactly. having, having this tight band around your head? It's, it's not not well, that's my other thing. I mean, Richard, if you're like me and you and you haven't got much hair left, you know, it, to be fair, it, it's even less flattering, isn't it, the ref cam, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, <laughs> you know, you yeah, can't carry it, it off, really, can you, you know? <laughs> it, it wasn't a good look. <laughs> and then, listen, I just want to, well, I mean, I just want to thank you. First of all, I just want to thank you uh, for, for giving your time up for us tonight and uh, just the, the 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 revelations that you put out, and just the candidness of everything, and, the, and your honesty and the answers has been absolute joy. And I think, you know, we couldn't have wished for anybody better to to celebrate our centenary edition with, could we, Bobby? No, absolutely not. So um, fantastic! I, I just yeah. wanna, I just want to thank you so much for uh, uh, for just no uh, giving, us, thank you. giving us all a giggle as well. And I've got one the most important question of the night for you. What's your favourite part of the pod? 
Oh, it's got to be uh, one of his stats of the week. <laughs> yes! 100%. So, so, so officially you are a bobolette, is that what we're saying, Richard? <laughs> Another one for the club, Bobby. Well I've made it, that's it, you I've, are, done. You've done it. I've done yeah, it. Yeah, Richard's favourite. Yeah, you've done it. You've, you've, that's it. You can, you can retire now, Bobby. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Brilliant. Richard, thank you so much for coming on. Um, no it's problem. Been, it's been an absolute pleasure, and, and obviously we, we wish you all the best, and uh, and and whatever you whatever you you get up to in the future, uh, you'll sure. you'll always be a, a friend of ours. So uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, thank you, right. guys. Thank, thank you, Richard. You. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Wow. Um. I'm I'm speechless. That that was amazing. Yeah. Good job on a podcast not to be speechless I mean that's a tip yeah that, that probably that's is but I mean you, yeah. I know what I mean <laughs> uh, uh, how good was that that was amazing I can't believe how much how much detail and yeah. how open he was and you know just yeah. a massive thank you to him for even that about, because even about the suspensions yeah. and the way that Richard left the RFL and things like that and really honest in his views um, about the game and about referees uh, and things like that and I think that was I think that was absolutely amazing. I, I think that was a very special episode and an absolutely splendid way to celebrate our centenary. Absolutely. And I think a hundred down is to the next hundred. Definitely. Definitely. So can I say the line? Because I never say it. Yeah, of course you can. So until we do the regular podcast from all of us here at the Loose Forward Podcast. It's goodbye. Bye.